Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Lloyd Dean about his time as Head of Digital and Innovative Learning at EDF Energy, as well as Trends in L&D. But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us, and thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Lloyd, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Lloyd, you've had a varied career in L&D and teaching before that. Uh, and we'll come to some of your background a little later. But before we do, I'd like you um, to reflect on your time at EDF Energy, where you were, if unless I'm uh, much mistaken, Head of Digital and Innovative Learning. Now, I'd love to know how you reflect upon your time in this role and some of your highlights of the digital and innovative learning you were involved in. Yeah, sure. Title was correct. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I actually, well, when I joined, first of all, when I joined EDF um, after teaching, we'll come to that in a bit. My role was a simulation instructor, which was a peculiar role. Um, but the chap recruiting at the time wanted to bring in someone with a kind of solid learning background um, to support some of the simulator stuff they did. But I, I progressed into the position and I was doing the head of role from about 2015, 2016 onwards. Yeah, really, a really fun time. But I think the reflection I would take was that was always open-minded to new ideas in learning and always have been really grounded on delivering impact to the business. So um, if we talk about some of the highlights, we were first of a kind globally to do a virtual reality piece of training on a nuclear power station. And over a couple of years, we demonstrated um, £200,000 return on investment. I'm super proud of the team and the journey we went on. There's so much within that to how we how we got there. Um, but likewise, we did loads of stuff where we just said, don't do this. Absolutely don't do this. So when everyone was getting excited about Google Glass and augmented reality in 2016 or 17, we said, look, Google is telling us to store this in the fridge. But we, we were telling R&D guys, don't go, don't, don't go near it. But then uh, maybe to some of the standard or day-to-day uh, -day, uh, learning, we were really focusing on you know, what, what's going on with the end user. Where's the, the, the data and the insight coming from? We all have great ideas, but you know, are they really going to land? And I'm just proud of going on on that particular particular journey. And I mean, you know, some of those, like the VR I mentioned in, in particular, is lots of people will scorn will scorn um, some learning tech. Um, and I heard Donald, Donald Clark talking on one of your recent podcasts about AI and LND scorning that. But we have to we have to go on that journey with a curiosity, and but it, it, in a sense to to prove it's going to do something. If it doesn't, be prepared to step away. And uh, yeah, I'm just proud of we we kind of did that. And, and for the context of EDF as well, in a high risk averse uh, organization, highly regulated, um, it's not like we had free reign as well. So yeah. Yeah, sound, yeah, it sounds as if you had um, uh, certain, certainly license to uh, uh, to explore, but with a with a keen eye on uh, on impact. But so much uh, for me, and I talk about it on the podcast a lot about the success uh, of digital learning initiatives is the analysis beforehand to ensure that you're solving real problems. I, I say so often that there is um, 
there's no magic secret sauce to adding a little bit of this or a little bit of that uh, into digital in order to gain engagement. You have to be solving a real problem and helping people when they actually need the help. Everything else is a bribe, an addition, a distraction, and, and I could go on. Um, but coming back to analysis, how did you do this at EDF? Uh, and what impact did you make? I mean, you said there about uh, saving uh, two hundred thousand uh, pounds, but 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 that that you're not going to have uh, uh, have done those metrics after you've launched an initiative and thought, oh, I wonder what the ROI is on that. You know, I'd imagine to make that much of a, a difference, this is it's going to have to have been planned. Uh, so so, what kind of analysis did you generally do? Yeah, so uh, we in various different guises we used different models, might be from Addy to 5DI, whatever, you know, it's the same thing, but really trying to get down to the root cause of, um, root cause of, you know, what, what, why do we want to do this thing? Um, and we, you know, we might all have had some health and safety uh, e-learning earlier on where people wanted us to update it. Okay, why, 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 you know? So I think, you know what, I, I, I think we took a really journalistic nature in, in what we did. And um, I know LND talks a lot about marketing and we, we might come back later, but I think I, I've also recently completed a um, journalism postgraduate qualification, and I've I realised, well, that's, that's what we did, which maybe didn't know it. And what I love about that, you have to be curious first of all and interested. You know, you can't if you're too, if you're too far away from what's going on with the business and the business strategy, you're lost. You know, you, you can't you don't really have a seat at the table. You're just there taking stuff, subserving in, in a way. So the, the key thing was understanding where the business was going. You know, really challenging our stakeholders to say what where does all this all fit in, in in a bigger scheme of things. Have you tried to do it before? Because all these great ideas are already thinking. You may have tried in uh, different guises. So really getting down to that and then trying to land it in the context of the business. So strategy is one thing, but you know, what else is going on? Are they trying to implement um, a certain piece of training or an idea in the business unit so we could make it more, more relatable? That was first of all key. But the other, the other part I, I felt we had to do was give them something, make them aware of what's going on outside the organization and what is best practice. Because we, we mentioned the VR example and it applied to a few. What we, what we found more often than not was when there was a real niche problem, the business couldn't solve on the innovation side of learning. They often called us in. And then one of the things we did that was keep them updated, share insights with them. But as I said, really work with them to understand what they were trying to do, you know, agree some of the key performance indicators, whatever metrics um, together, sometimes challenge them to say, is this really going to, what you're asking for, I don't think it's going to affect that. And let's go on a journey with that. And, and why? I suppose what I'm talking about really is performance consulting and different guys, right? Um, so taken, but that's also easier easy said than done because um, there's a, a few of us in the department who are very keen on this and the business stakeholders. Then it's a completely different conversation to say other folk in the department who maybe are happy to be subservient. Um, others, it's just a journey for them to feel more comfortable to challenge in a, in a constructive way. We really went on a journey with that. So it's kind of that we knew what we should be doing, but we put in the support in for everyone in uh, the department so they're supported and knew what to do and how to do it. But then also just sharing that, sharing our philosophy and not being a, not being apologetic with the with the business as well, I thought was really key because some wildly disagreed, right? 
Uh, you, you mentioned there about uh, curiosity. Now we hear uh, curiosity in the context of learning being a, being a key pillar of this. Learners need to be curious, but I like the way you've described it there as in L&D being curious about the business uh, itself as well. Uh, I've, I mentioned again on previous podcasts how uh, in order to build my own credibility at Disney, uh, I, was, uh, I was working with a mentor at the time and he said, look, don't ask them what their learning needs are, ask them how business is. So, so it almost became like a catchphrase. I'd see someone in the coffee queue or, uh, or uh, in the lift and you know, it's, a, it's a business leader I recognize that, hi, uh, how's business? <laughs> you know, like just a little tagline. And then you get to understand what they actually do. Uh, the, the one that sounds slightly cliche, but what, what keeps you up at night? Again, you're not talking about learning needs. You're talking about the, the crit, what might be critical points of failure in their operation. And you'll find a hell of a lot more out uh, by being curious about those elements. And then you can move on to, to make an impact. If, you're, if someone comes to you and says, look, I, I need some training. And then you say to them, how, how does this link with what that conversation we had in the coffee queue last week? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's because of, you know, and then, you know, you're, you're far more enlightened. Uh, one of the things I found uh, hugely beneficial as well, um, certainly at Disney, uh, where I was supporting like 14 different lines of business, is finding out what's the purpose of that function. And because, you know, Disney is, a, you know, is a, is a behemoth that was back then making $45 billion a year, uh, you've got to figure out how does that function make money? Because if you find out how that makes money, you find a critical path. What what is essential for for that to function? I mean, does any of that resonate? I mean, what, oh, what kind of things? I mean, when you're yeah. talking about following the money, I'm thinking I've been watching Better Call Saul and <laughs> Narcos recently. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different, that's a different focus. Follow the money, yeah. But you're totally right. And we used to, well, we used to talk about the golden thread. So we're working with our customers team. And what's the golden thread of what we do to the end? Oh, the ultimate end user, a customer who was at EDF. And I think that's really key. So, hey, with yeah, so we did some more VR and AR stuff around smart meter installations. We won't get into the targets from the government. It's a different conversation. Enormous strain and stress on the business, though. But what, what does it mean for someone going out into the smart meter environment who, you know, the reality is they have a tough pad. That's it. They've got to be able to access learning content on there. How can we support them but understand when they're in someone's house? Each smart meter is different. We were laughing and joking before, but actually getting attacked by dogs is a really big issue and stops people. So that, that's um, that's one example there, but you're t totally right. I mean, we did a, um, I can talk about a learning content platform we kind of um, rolled out uh, during COVID and we won a learning tech award and, and it all sounds great and rada, rada, rada. Um, but I remember having a, a conversation with uh, one of our station directors at, um, at the organization and this station has subsequently won the process of shutting down and I'm there saying hey we've got this and like you say asking the questions but actually I kind of had a word of myself the station's shutting down do these people really is this the conversation I need to be having with the station director to your point understanding what's going on in the business actually what's going on with the folk what what change are they go, going through and we had a completely different conversation but and I find that is well you know I'm getting excited that's really rewarding I think um, because you feel as if you're making an impact uh, on folk, and I think I think in L and D on one level we're, we're people pleasers, and it's in it's in our nature, right? That's why we're in L and D, mate. Some people may say, and so to to do that in a way that makes an impact to a business or individual, I think it's very powerful for me, certainly. It is really powerful, and then you know, on the other hand, I speak with so many 
learning and development professionals who believe in what you've just said, but find themselves at the front of a class or launching a platform and thinking, is this going to make, is this making any difference at all? So, so learning the stock in trade, following the path, doing what is essentially what what as a uh, as a profession uh, is believed to be the right thing but then having that doubt and thinking is are the people turning up here actually getting value could i just add something on that i love that because some of my i we didn't talk some of my favorite memories are when we just like said no and said no we're not doing stuff so you know and more often when you work out in the in the business units we found We've got more um, differentiated offerings because we understood what was, we're trying to understand what was going on. So it wasn't one size fits all. But when, when we came back to the center, and I apologize to any folk who just sent us special PDF, but if you're listening to this, you probably weren't one of them. Um, we, uh, we got this new internet, we want to put some learnings and whatnot. And I, to your point now, I remember getting at, uh, someone asked me to provide some resource on the team. And I'm thinking, and I was thinking, oh, I don't really believe in this. And, uh, and I, I didn't say too much, I hinted as much, but then they came back around in a, in a month or two saying, we want to refresh, we want to update it. Can this person come and do it? And it was like, okay, you show me that people be, you show me that people have been using this, and how they're using it. Absolutely can, couldn't do it. No, they're not doing it. And it was, um, it was a great feeling, you know, because I, to, to exercise that. And I, I, I concur with your point there um, about L&D. Um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm at risk of waffling it. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, certainly not waffling. It's all valuable. Uh, but I'd like to uh, to talk to you about digital marketing. You mentioned marketing uh, earlier on, uh, and this was something you introduced into into L and D at, uh, at EDF. Uh, what opportunity did you see for digital marketing, and how did it work? Um, yeah, as a, first of all, as with with everything, I just, just stole and borrowed the ideas elsewhere. I remember um, at the time been to a few uh, conferences, I think LPI or uh, in particular, and they were talking about content curation. And uh, this is, again, so what we are now, 2019-ish, 2018, 2019. I also did my podcast that year and I spoke to a few marketing folk and just kind of sponged up a lot. And then we went through a reorganization and we, rather than doing piecemeal, we thought, well, could we do something around learning not model, you know, a bit a bit bigger, the response to the business need. We, um, we spent six months speaking to all of the um, a wide range of users at the organization across the country in various roles. And some of the things they were telling us just kind of lent it, lent it to what I suppose we might call learning in the flow of flow of work or, you know, uh, resources, not, not courses and, and that type of stuff. Um, I also, I also feel it, it promotes the L and D function. It, it, it being a marketer promotes doing the things we've said because you have to you know your audience go on that journey of who you're marketing to we started to build out personas um i've got a love-hate relationship with personas because i think that sometimes they're too vague um so we try to go on the journey and add specifics to that rather than over overtly generalize um yeah and we we decided to go for it we decided to put these learning um curators in in, in particular we had a learning culture manager whose role was to do the things, you know, to lead on that, understanding what's going on with the business. Um, so it, it all looked good in theory. Then we just went on the journey, <laughs> if I'm totally honest with you. So I can tell you about the various emails uh, I got from some of our folk in generation who said, why on earth are you emailing this? This is absolutely ridiculous because <laughs> we're hitting them too much. Um, I subsequently, you know, learned all of the Hun Singh shout type stuff that we, we kind of adopted a strategy 
um, on that. I think it, I think it's uh, it worked well for us, and I can see more organisations doing doing it. Um, there is a risk you kind of get lost in it, and you you, you focus on where the low hanging fruit. So apologies for the cliche, but you just focus on those who who, who love it and it, it, ignore what else is going on with the business. For us, though, it works well because we brought in some a real focus on data. So at the time, we got some apprentices in and digital analysts in not in the in the learning department, but in the in our learning team, but in the learning department, working with them. So we um, relatively basic stuff now, I suppose, but a few years ago, well, for us at that time, it was really groundbreaking to start looking at the data so we could we could pivot and think about what we were doing. Really, if we we're doing an email campaign. We wanted to look at metrics, how many people were clicking through, opening, going through to the content and all, and all, all of that type of stuff. So I think that the marketing with the, without the data um, kind of don't know where you're going, um, which which is sometimes the case for some marketers. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sounds as if you were, you, you, um, you were applying um, established approaches that were working elsewhere into L&D. Uh, and I mean, I'm a huge advocate uh, of that. The, the simply providing programs and libraries of content, even smart recommendations. I mean, it's it's all pretty dumb compared with um, the the work that you would be applying with with data, uh, with uh, digital marketing smarts. I mean, I, 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 one of my most common things that I, I talk about in uh, um, probably away from this podcast is um, just how much the skill set of marketing changed with the advent of something like HubSpot. And imagine L&D had something as smart as HubSpot, where you did with your personas, you, you brought people through funnels to guide them through, um, to uh, influence their behavior, uh, had key milestones towards uh, a desired outcome. I mean, that sounds like L&D to me. But you know you've got you've got a profession that engenders uh, brand loyalty to uh, to organisations they don't work for. Where surely it would be easier if you did that if you applied that uh, within L and D to to enhance uh, brand loyalty and help people to do what they're in an organisation uh, to do better. It it just it just it's it's a no brainer to me. But where I think that there is a breakdown, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this as well, is L and D think they're in the behaviour change business, and we've never been in the behaviour change business. It's just a grandiose claim to make ourselves feel better, or perhaps uh, to bolster um, uh, what we believe our impact can be. We've only only ever been in the the behaviour uh, influence uh, influencing behaviour in the same way as marketers do. Uh, capitalising on uh, genuine concern, moments of need, interest in one thing, but towards uh, uh, mutually beneficial goals for the organisation and employee. And you can keep people on certain guardrails, nudge them, educate them, uh, uh, perhaps give them consequences uh, when things don't go particularly well in an, in an organisational setting. But we never refresh people, build them up from scratch and nothing. Usually we get to them too early or too late. There's no change to be done. There's just some kind of remedial work because learning and development was absent. Uh, but, you know, I can, I can rant all day. I, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's spot on. Um, spot on. And, we you know, we, we like to package things up and we think that's that's our... That's going to deliver change. Someone's attended a course. Oh, great! And they give it, you know, they give us an NPS rating, and that's going to make a change. No, it's, no, 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 it's not. I mean, leadership is a great example. Everyone seems to measure leaders, you know, laterally and above. No one ever really talks to the teams. Uh, don't go on that journey uh, with them. I added that in because I 
quite passionate about that. It's another conversation for another day. Yeah, we, we, we want pathways. We want to, you know, sim overly simplify everything, maybe um, is a better way of saying it. We get excited about, um, we get excited about the how. Um, so whether it's gamification, whether it's e-learning, whatever. Um, but the oversimplification over is, um, is a risk. Uh, well, it's not a risk, it's a reality for many organizations. And I also think in that we, um, we think we are the only aspect centrally of the learning that uh, some of our employees go through. Whereas um, maybe this links to solid personas, you know, highly risk regulated organizations such as EDF and a host of others, focus on an awful lot of learning just to, you know, just to be able to go and do their job, right? And I don't think things like that are taken into account. And this stuff we do is a hassle. And then you've got to sit there with your 40 minute e-learning and, and you're just thinking, oh, I'm just going to scroll this video to the end, next. I'm going to scroll this video to the end, next. And then you realise, and there's some buggers made, made it, so you can't do that. And you, you know, I'm like, <laughs> all of the, all, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's quite sad on, on, on one level. Um, but I also, I mean, I've had this thought recently that I mentioned a few times about L&D being subservient. But also, I think on the flip side of the, or the other side of the spectrum, with overtly clinical, um, and I think it's important for us to reflect where we're at and um, where we want to be, because to be subservient, I don't think is demonstrate we're not, both sides of the spectrum. I don't think we're in, enhancing uh, performance of the business or helping individuals on their journey. The reason I mentioned clinical is that lots of organ lots of organisations are going to an agile, and I think you know going to an agile straight away with a capital A. I didn't mean to make that rhyme. Um, is itself a risk because all of a sudden oh, we had it. We we went. We've started to go through it, and people, our IT department did. And all of a sudden, they're talking to a load of folks saying, "We we need epics. You need to give us an epics." And, and people are like, "What the hell are you on about? It's got to fit into our cadence." And people are like, "I just I need this problem solved. What the what earth are you talking about?" And I think um, some organisations in LD are maybe going across too much to that um, to that place at the moment as well. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so, you know, whether it's agile or whether it's uh, um, it's it's what we believe about learning. Sometimes we do show our working out a little bit too much when really people just want to be able to do something better um, with or without us. Uh, but I, I want to bring you on to one of my my favourite topics, um, uh, Lloyd. Um, L and D leadership. You talked about leadership um, um, previously, but uh, I'd love to know at your time at EDF, what did you learn about L&D leadership? Is this in the context of the role I was in or let's say into my into my directors? Um, yeah, okay. I think I think it's important to understand your purpose and why you're in there. So it took me a, a couple of years to really get to get to peace with that as in I was there to serve the organization, not to serve Lord Lloyd. Lloyd Dean. Um, first of all, I think, like it, well, like, like, like anyway, taking the, the team on on the journey. Um, one of one of my my challenges was we. I mentioned quite a few times we solve quite niche problems, and so for, for me it was important to keep keep the team supported, but also away from their cent center point, as in place of comfort or whenever I felt we were going to go into business as usual phase. I'm like we're not we're not ultimately. There's, we're not delivering something to the business here, so because we had other training teams and across the the organisation, that's so reflecting on your why in LND, I think is um, absolutely important. 
I do think, um, I don't know if I mentioned this already in this conversation, <laughs> uh, but I think knowing your own, your, every, in every organization, you've got your eye of Sauron, right? Um, you need to know what your eye of Sauron is coming for. I and mean, for me, it was always around impact, that we can do all these fancy, funny things. But I think um, the, other, the other thing I would reflect on is, and we've discussed in different contexts, but understanding what's going on in the business and building those relationships with the business is absolutely key. And it's not to nag, and it's not to say you've been in meetings for the sake of it. But I think long term, it's making sure when when folk in the business do have a problem, they know why they're going to call you and how you're going to help. Um, ultimately, is one for me. Now I want to take you back, Lloyd, because at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned that you were a teacher prior to L and D, um, and uh, I've spoken to a couple of teachers very recently who want to make the jump into corporate L and D. Um, so I want to ask you, what drew you to L and D from teaching, and what were you able to transfer from teaching? I'd also like to ask, um, in what ways are teaching and L&D not the same? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was a teacher at a further education college in the southwest of Somerset. Um, I was also a teacher trainer, so I had a kind of a dual role. So I, suppose, I, ref I reflected on this a few times. I suppose that might have prepared me for L&D in, in a particular way. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you my thoughts. Uh, I, think I think teaching helped because you're on the front line. I think if we go on LinkedIn today, if people were talking about theories and pedagogy and the science and the rationale and everything, just constructive to the conversation, whether you talk about it as a teacher or not, you're on the front line. <laughs> and if, if you haven't designed an experience that's robust and thinking about assessment and whatnot, you'll find out sooner or later, whether that's from the students or uh, other folk observing. So I think, um, it, Malcolm, I've heard Malcolm Gladwell uh, speak a few times about writer's block and people asking him, you know, oh, what do you do with writer's block? He's like, well, I worked at the New York Times. There's no space for writer's block. You just had to do it. I think that's what teachers bring in. There's a, there's a, um, maybe ta a tacit reality, um, uh, maybe. Um, so what drew me, I think I've always had a bit of a naive curiosity, so I just like to follow it. So I got a, uh, approached by um, EDF. And I spoke with the folk doing, and they just had a real specific vision of what they want to do. It was really scary. I didn't really know what I was going to do in, or how it might look like and how it might pan out. Similar, probably how I've moved from EDF to consulting in many ways. And the naive curiosity is um, serving well so far, and I'll just fill in the gaps. Michael Gove didn't help um, because he really uh, reformed a lot. Uh, but also what prepared me, I think, as I mentioned, the teacher training. So uh, the teacher training aspect. So I would, my forte, it won't be any surprise, was around digital um, in learning. So uh, way back when I was doing stuff, not because it was cool, but because I knew it would have an impact on me or the, or, or the student. So my, my, my claim to fame in my final year is I did mark one piece of work at home, um, which got me a lot of enemies in the, in the staff room. But the reason being, I just realized, you know, like uh, the 80-20 rule, I realized that the vast majority of my feedback was the same. So even then, I was automating some stuff on Microsoft Word, very, look very basic now, just giving verbal feedback through SoundCloud and stuff like that. Um, but doing the teacher training stuff, wow, it was, um, it, it was, a, and then I was doing some adult training as well, going into L&D. I don't see there's, there's much difference there. Um, i.e. you can have people really enthusiastic. Um, we call it an andragogy, don't we? As in, you know, to teach the adult, to teach the child. But there's another question to say, you know, where, <laughs> when, does the, when does the child become an adult? 
Um, so I think we play play in that space then, and the, I see a lot of like kind of parent child stuff um, as well, which is so they're, they're the kind of golden similarities. Where it's not different, I, I suppose I answer that in terms of you just you're just boshing out delivery. So it, in L and D, we get to um, talk about a great leadership experience, and we can plan it for a long time and do all this and that. You've just got to get on with it. Um, and if, if impact isn't being delivered, um, as I mentioned, you'll, you'll, you'll find out very quickly because you've measured in di different ways. Um, there was one other thing that's gone from my oh, budgets. I, when I remember I speaking to a few people in the past and they said, you know, the way to innovate is to throw money at it, to, to paraphrase. And I was like, I disagree. I think um, in, in teaching, if, especially if we, around ed tech, digital tools, if it doesn't work, you throw it out. If it does work, you're going to hold on to it pretty close. So, um, yeah, so ed tech for necessity, I would say, is a different as opposed to just throwing stuff on the learners for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. As, uh, as I was taking on the, uh, the UK L&D role in 2007, uh, our budget was, uh, was slashed by uh, to one-tenth of its previous uh, to the previous year, so uh, so that was my uh, my welcome on board. I know, I know, um, but uh, but what you but uh, you know, I'm, I'm building on what you just said there. You can't make big bets. Then you can't throw a lot of money at things. So what you do is you hustle, and then you do more of what works and less of what doesn't work. But whereas I found, and I speak to a lot of people now who've just invested an enormous amount in a platform full of content, and then they say, how do you make it work? Here we go. That's why I ask, where's the vendor? Uh, and the next thing I say is that that what pro what problem you're trying to solve? They'll, they'll they'll try to retrospectively state, you know, that they're trying to chase engagement. You know, they're they're trying to introduce uh, online learning. But but the thing is, that that's not a real problem. That's that's an that's an L and D engineered problem uh, because you're not close enough to uh, to the user, as we were stating earlier. Which brings me nicely on to my next question, um, Lloyd, because. Uh, you mentioned uh, consulting where you are now, uh, and unless again, unless I'm very much mistaken, um, you work with L and D teams to help them modernise uh, and achieve greater impact. Uh, so, what would you say is the current state of L and D? Yeah, so I think the in our prep conversation, and I said that I, I've got a caveat. Well, I've been in consultancy for seven, eight months, and probably took me two months to figure which way was up. <laughs> my colleagues say my, I might still be on that journey, <laughs> but. Um, from the conversations I've had with clients, from attending some conferences recently, which has been great to do, and listening to podcasts and the activity on LinkedIn, I think there's still definitely this thing around marketing um, in, in learning. And it's interesting to watch teams go through that. We've discussed that. I think Agile seems to be becoming more and more popular, and especially around um, kind of product mindset. I mean, I've, I've given one example of, you know, it could be too clinical. I think that is itself a change. Um, some of the some of the some of the reflections I'm having is, uh, you know, if if, if an L and D team is going agile, no one else in the business is, and you're talking to them about the things we've mentioned, ethics, user story, cadence, why, why are we doing this, and would that fit in all organisations? Definitely can add value, one hundred percent. But like anything, right? If they, I suppose it may be utopian for the whole organisation to be in the same cadence. Um, once you're in that space, great. But that itself is a change journey, and there's lots of organisations doing that. I think. You know, we, I suppose there's some agile um, marketing. We've mentioned data. I think data and insights is, is all of those things. Really, what we're talking about is on one level, maybe learning not model um, and what what's going on on there. 
I mean, I, I was going to talk to you. I mean, the whole journey with Dago, I think, is fascinating. Um, we'll, we'll see if we've got time for that. Um, and then, kind of, they're they're my kind of the things I bring to the table, and um, that uh, alongside the impactful experiences with learning technology. So I mentioned virtual virtuality. We're seeing um, some organisations already start to think about or trying to figure out uh, the metaverse and VR and AR. I think. We're still a long way from there. Um, but as I mentioned before, right, some people might listen, like, oh, he's on about this bloody concept. Well, my, my reality is I've seen the impact of some of this technology. And if it doesn't work, we throw it out the window and move on to something, something else. Um, yeah, so they're, they're, the, they're the, the, the top ones that come to mind. And, and so how do you work with L&D teams? Because I suppose there's, there's different elements, isn't there? You've got, you might have a keen leader who, uh, who uh, thinks that they may be behind the curve. Uh, you may uh, have uh, people, as we discussed earlier, recognising maybe they're not having the impact that, uh, that, they, that they think that they should. Uh, and then you've got uh, L&D teams who I think are notorious for not wanting to change. Uh, and, uh, and modernize. And then you've got stakeholders who are used to the dance, as I call it, in L&D, where they ask for training, they get training. People go on training um, you know, with dubious, or if, if any, impact at all. So, so what's, what's kind of the journey and, uh, and the approach that you take to any or all of those things? Yeah, so definitely in those space. I think more often than not, it's try. In the, I'm learning about the consultancy game or the dark side, as someone put on the call yesterday, is um, it's just trying to help them figure out what sometimes what the problem actually is. Um, because I think some of the things you, you mentioned there, as uh, we could say, gut feelings, they can senior leaders might want change or support, but and you know, how are they going to measure uh, the impact of this? But also, what is the actual problem? How can we help them figure out what it is? How are we going to measure it and so forth and go on that journey? The, the other the other thing as well is um, we do a lot of change and tran transformation broader programs, and it's where L and D fits in this. So you know most people would think a course, a piece of learning is the way to do it. And what we try to do is say, you know, can we create a resource? Can we can we change some? Can we embed some of this stuff um, around that area in particular as well? Um, and then the learning, learning tech stuff definitely is just around this, this discovery piece in particular I've, I've seen so far uh, my time at PA. And, and what about stakeholders? How do you um, uh, get state, senior stakeholders ready or, and, and bring a team along? Um, we're talking uh, my EDS, I suppose it's the same, isn't it? I think um, senior stakeholders, what I reflect, what I reflect on uh, with that question is over the years, I see where it goes well. I think senior stakeholders really articulating the vision and the why, but and working with them to say it needs to be, you know, we need the line managers to talk about this, we need middle managers to talk about it. We need to speak about this numerous times rather than just one, you know, Microsoft Teams call or one Zoom call in particular. So that vision articulation is key. Um, lots of and then, then, right, we mentioned low-hanging fruit earlier, who have your natural change champions. So one of the things we've been doing recently, recently well, I've, I've been learning and going through, because the current organisation does as well, and I wish I would have done it in the past, is around like a diagnosis of change. So you know, we know we've got these change champions and the direct ones this, but taking a step back, speaking with a range uh, of stakeholders, understanding, well, speaking to the end user again, right? And then just, um, if you like, diagnosing readiness for change. And 
and then adopting bespoke strategy to try and um, overcome all of these things, I think, um, are, are good ways to take uh, folk on, on the journey. You mentioned something earlier I think is absolutely critical. If, if, if you don't really believe as an individual in something, that's probably, there's probably something going on with the other meetings where your voice isn't being actively shared. I think it's, that is so important. I had a, a, a project with, uh, with an organization where I was leading some of that change. Um, and I probably didn't throw myself into it and it just reflected on, on the team. And they, they fed that back. They, they, didn't, they just felt it wasn't as important based on some of the information, um, knowledge and insights they heard. So being prepared to um, go beyond a program architecture or going beyond the project plan and getting into the nitty gritty and understanding where people are at with that change is key. Lloyd, as we come to the end of the conversation, I'd like to zoom out a little bit. I know that, uh, that you're, you're keen on uh, the future of work. Um, and so I want to ask you, where's L&D going? And what are some indicators of future practice? I really enjoyed your, I've clearly enjoyed all of your podcasts. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's one with Donald Clark talking about AI. And I find him fascinating because on social media, I was sort of really angry with his responses. And you hear, you hear him talking, you're like, wow, this is it. <laughs> but he was talking about, um, and obviously very um, drawn down into the pedagogy and the research that speaks like wonderfully well on AI and I've learned something every single time I listen to him, but his point about um, L&D always squashing something down before it's had an opportunity to go through. And if it's like AI's great, you know, it's had impact outside of L&D, right? Um, as he mentions, I think how we, and I'm talking about AI here, but for me more broadly, it's around tech. How we deal with tech and how we manage um, tech and involve it within L&D is going to be really interesting over the coming years. Because if we don't do it, someone else is going to do it. And then it's kind of what's the best. So I think for a lot of organizations during um, lockdowns and COVID, we had this funny space where IT departments and L&D, all of a sudden it was, well, who's doing what here? You, you know? And uh, I think so that's the interesting space for me in terms of where we we go with that understanding we don't have to rule everything out because don't, don't i mean don't miss misplace what i'm saying i think clearly we have to be evidence-based but we can evidence and evidence is going a journey right and be prepared to, to squash something away or push it away yourself um i am still worried about the subserviency of lnd um as in just to, just to deliver stuff we'll be happy to roll out content and delivery learning and Maybe just do glorified e-learning through AI or do just do some dodgy e-learning stock character in virtual reality. Even we do get to play in that space. Um, that, that's key for me. Um, and then the other ones are just delivering impact. So, and I think that could be the same with everything we said today. So data, marketing, um, you, you name it. I think if we're not going to be prepared to demonstrate impact and go on that journey, um, we're in trouble because it's, trying to demonstrate impact is where the journey becomes non-linear, um, I found. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Lloyd. Uh, and uh, and my, my last question to you, uh, I fear that, uh, that you've answered some of that, so it might be re-emphasising or switching some of the responses on your head, but if the listener is thinking that they'd like to achieve more with digital or shift their approach to L&D, how do you suggest they make their first steps? You're right, I've covered a lot uh, <laughs> here. Um, I think you just have to be really open-minded, first of all. And I'll give, let's 
talk about one example that I've not covered in detail, I think is around data. Because why are people wanting to use data? Um, they want to know the reality and then have conversations around that. We know the reality in our day-to-day -day lives, whatever. So, you know, the 14 units of alcohol, the data will tell us. Uh, above that, there's a hockey, you know, the upward trend of um, things will go wrong. But British society and culture, it, you know, we know the facts. We don't always do that, you know, wet the baby's head and, you know, stag do, hen do's, whatever, right? Any, there's any, any event we normally celebrate it with alcohol. And by the way, I, I do drink alcohol just to be, just to be clear. But the point, <laughs> uh, the, the point I'm trying to make with that is even when we have the facts, when it touches a nerve, are we prepared to take a step back and be open-minded? Are we prepared in L&D to hold that mirror up to the business and have that conversation with them? Because um, otherwise, there's a risk we use facts and data to support our argument, just like we would do if we search for the answer to a question we want answered in Google. Um, and I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen in, in a few spaces, and that was part of the journey we went on before and speaking to other folk. So, yeah, so I think really being open-minded regardless of what you're doing on top of everything else um, is my response to that. Great, and I'll drink to that. Uh, so, Lloyd, <laughs> if people wish to connect with you or follow your work, how best can they do so? I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've recently updated my profile pic because with three daughters, my hairline has taken a battering. <laughs> 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 and I grew a beard. Um, I'm all, yeah, so I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there and really responsive. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a 50% kind of this stuff, but also football-related, Tottenham Hospital-related. So if you can live with that, um, please connect with me on Twitter, but if not LinkedIn. Wonderful. And Lloyd will put the links to, uh, to those in the show notes. But all's left for me to say is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Really mean this. Thank you for having me, Dave. Really enjoyed the conversation. When taking a broad and unbiased view of the future, laced with the experience you can only get from working within the profession, Lloyd helped to paint a realistic and hopeful picture for us all. It's important to shut off the noise of what's new in delivery and consider what the actual problems are that we're in organisations to address and what the best ways are of doing so now. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective, of which I'm an active member. Join me and thousands of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn, for which you'll find links in the show notes. And goodbye for now. <laughs> <laughs>